0: Mourning the Colorado victims. Heart wrenching to see loss come so quickly. Gun control debate revived. We can ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Laws that would do nothing to stop these murders. Snail mail. Slowing the delivery window down to three to five days. Good morning. I'm Steve Kathan with the CBS World News Roundup. A supermarket parking lot in Boulder, Colorado is being transformed by flowers and signs. Tributes to the 10 people killed in a mass shooting there Monday afternoon. Mayor Sam Weaver on CBS this morning. We're still just getting out of shock. The grieving is just beginning to start as we learn the names and of course the stories behind the people who were killed. CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti says we're learning more about some of those who died. Lynn Murray was a retired mother of two filling an Instacart order. Terry Liker, 51, worked at the store for 31 years. 20-year-old Denny Stong was just getting started. He was a really smart kid, training to be an airline pilot. And Eric Talley of the Boulder Police was the first one on the scene. The 51-year-old father of seven ran straight inside but never made it out. He cared about this community and he was willing to die to protect others. Correspondent David Begno has more on the suspect who faces 10 murder counts. Ahmed Alissa bought an assault weapon less than a week before the shooting. He purchased it on March 16th. The 21-year-old was born in Syria, but he grew up in the United States. His brother told the Daily Beast he believes Alyssa is mentally ill. He described him as paranoid and antisocial. As of this morning, officials here in Boulder have not yet released a motive behind the supermarket massacre. The mass shooting prompted President Biden to call for a ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. CBS's Nancy Cordes says the administration is exploring ways to bypass Congress if lawmakers don't act. President Biden is calling for a return to 90s-era gun restrictions. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines once again. It's a tall order for a Deadlocked Congress that has struggled even to strengthen background checks, something most Americans support. Inaction by this Congress makes us complicit. Fault lines haven't changed. What happens in this committee after every mass shooting is Democrats propose taking away guns from law-abiding citizens. One big change? Democrats now control the Senate. And the agenda. On CBS this morning, Vice President Kamala Harris urged Congress to act. We need universal background checks. You know, various states have done it, but there's no universal approach to this. People can move from one state to another depending on what the law is. We need to have a federal standard, and that is going to be accomplished by the way we have structured our democracy. When the United States Congress acts, the House has acted. Now it's in the hands of the Senate. Two Democratic Asian-American women in the Senate, Tammy Duckworth and Maisie Hirono, have backed off on their ultimatum to withhold support for Biden nominees after the White House said it would add a senior-level Asian-American Pacific Islander liaison to the administration. Now to the southern border, CBS's Manuel Bajorquez looks at some of the risks migrants are taking to try to get into the U.S. Here in Juarez, we got access to one smuggler's operation along the border, complete with ladders to get over the wall and peepholes to keep an eye out for border patrol. He told us he's passed 80 to 100 people over the wall over the last six months. The price, about $1,000 for a chance to cross. CBS News has learned that due to strain capacity at one sector of the border in Texas, customs and Border Protection, has started to release some migrant families without notices to appear in court. Instead, those families are being given instructions to check in with ICE at a later date. Johnson & Johnson says federal regulators have given the okay for the company to use a large pharma plant in Bloomington, Indiana, to produce and ship its COVID vaccine. It'll be needed for J&J to fulfill its promise of 200 million doses in the U.S. And China today criticized the U.S. response to the coronavirus, citing racism and financial inequity. No clear winner as of now in Israel's election. Israel's fourth election in two years ended in political uncertainty, angering a weary public. Universally here in this land, we are fed up. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is on trial for corruption, does not have a clear path to form a government. And there's already speculation about a fifth Israeli election. Robert Berger, CBS News, Jerusalem. Longer times for delivery, higher prices. It's all part of a 10-year plan to get the Postal Service profitable. Right now, it faces an expected $160 billion in losses over that stretch. CBS's Chris Van Cleve. The plan suggests slowing the delivery window for first-class mail from two to three days down to three to five days. Some post offices would see their operating hours cut, and postage prices are likely to rise. President Biden has named three nominees to the Postal Service's governing board. A Democratic majority could give the panel the ability to oust Postmaster General Louis DeJoy. He's a Trump appointee. A jury's been picked for the murder trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin in the death of George Floyd. Six men and nine women. Nine are white, four black, two multiracial. Judge Peter Cahill says the trial will convene Monday with 12 jurors and two alternates. I'm hopeful that uh, since it's only a few days, that we'll have 14 people show up and those 14 will be seated and sworn. And we'll proceed with opening statements at that time. Sixteen women have now filed lawsuits against NFL star Deshaun Watson, accusing him of sexual assault and harassment. Watson's attorney questions the allegations and says they came after a failed attempt to blackmail the Houston Texans quarterback. Well, actor George Segal has died. He made a name first in drama in the 1966 film Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Hey, you uh, played football, huh? <laughs> well, yes, I was a quarterback, but I was much more adept at boxing, really. He got an Oscar nomination for that, and he became best known as a versatile comic actor as the years went on, most recently on TV on the ABC sitcom The Goldbergs. George Siegel was 87. His wife said he had complications from heart bypass surgery. Memorable voices and music have been added to the National Recording Registry. Oh, when the, saints the, saints. Go marching in. the Library of Congress has just added 25 recordings, including Louis Armstrong's 1938 classic and a Janet Jackson record breaker. <laughs> 1989's Rhythm Nation had seven top five singles. And a famous Green Muppet gets his due. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection. Each selection chosen for cultural, historical, or aesthetic significance. Each must be at least ten years old. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. It's been announced next month the fifth anniversary of Prince's death will be marked at his Minnesota compound. Fans will be allowed in to pay their respects. And that's the CBS World News Roundup for Wednesday. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Order the hidden history of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books. John Stewart here. Unbelievably exciting news. My new podcast, The Weekly Show. We're going to be talking about the uh, election, economics, ingredient to bread ratio on sandwiches. Listen to The Weekly Show with John Stewart wherever you get your podcasts.